Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we are previewing the Kansas versus Illinois Friday night matchup on primetime ESPN. Kansas Jayhawks will be going with the Blackhawk uniforms, the brand new uniforms, a blackout in the stadium. This is the kind of excitement that we are have been looking for for quite a long time. First segment, you're here with me, and then we're going to be getting over to... Uh, Jeremy Warner of Fighting Illini- uh, the I'm sorry the Illini Inquirer over on 24/7 Sports, um, but wanted to talk about this game just a little bit. There are there have been a few updates uh, recently came out this morning, um, this morning being Thursday morning that Jalen Daniels is completely expected to start in this game. I, I still wonder, just given with the back tightness, if he is going to have somewhat of a short leash to make sure he doesn't you know he doesn't uh, strain anything or anything like that, but. You saw last week that Jason Bean and, and you know, Kyle wrote about it over on Blue Wings Rising. Like, Jason Bean is capable of leading this team against the Fighting Illini. He's capable of leading the team to a win against the Fighting Illini. You obviously want Jalen Daniels to be back to get hit that ceiling that they have. But, I, I mean, yes, it's a big deal that Jalen Daniels is going to be back for this. There's going to be a lot of hype here. There's going to be, I think, just a ton of stuff to um, really kind of push this over the top and make this as fantastic and as fun of a game as completely possible. But um, let me, let me tell you, I am ready for this game. I know that all the Kansas fans and all the Kansas players are ready for this game and it is going to be a whole lot of fun. So we do though have a few other things to talk about. There have been some, I think some updates uh, in terms of college basketball with uh, you know, we have multiple uh, guys that can't, that Bill self and and staff are are going after and recruiting um, just a quick recruiting update, you know, 2024. Kansas is, is making some really big uh, overtures to Cooper Flag, the number one overall recruit for 2024. Right now he's a Duke lean, but I, I honestly, and, you know, Mike Vernon put this out in his newsletter as well, that there's a lot of people that think that KU has a much bigger chance in this than a lot of people gave. Um, he has been a Duke lean for quite a long time, and I, I definitely think that Kansas is – jumping up and has an opportunity 
to get in on on Cooper Flag and has an opportunity to flip him at this point. Kansas, though, like they have a, a ridiculous class of recruits that are coming in. Um, you know, they had a bunch that visited for last week. I believe they have a couple more coming in for this week, both football and basketball. Um, you know, this is a this is a Kansas program that is just firing on all cylinders for all of the different sports that they have. And oh, hey, guess what? We haven't even talked about women's basketball yet. Um, the Kansas women's basketball has a whole bunch of exciting news. They went over, you know, they, they won all their games over on their Europe trip. Um, you know, they, they came back. The, the, the schedule has been released. They have some really big games uh, set up for the, you know, for the non-conference. They're going to Penn State uh, in the non-conference early. They go down to the Cayman Islands Classic around uh, Thanksgiving. They'll be playing both Virginia Tech and UConn, two fantastic programs with an opportunity to make a statement down there to really show how much they've grown and what they're ready for. They'll play you know, Texas A&M down in College Station. They play down in Wichita uh, for Wichita State. They do play at home against Nebraska at the, end of the, uh, at the end of December. So there's a ton of really interesting games. And the reports coming out about, you know, Tiana Jackson and um, Holly Kurz-Geeter and Sakaya Franklin. And then, of course, the two new the two newest players, uh, the, the the two big recruits there, Smaya Nichols uh, and then Leia Kanisa. Like, you have a, a fantastic group of women here that are looking, you know, this is a year that they've they've talked about. They feel like this is their year to show that they belong in that Big 12 race, that they belong competing for a Big 12 title. So there's a ton of stuff going on. There's volleyball, there's soccer. All of those will be going on this weekend as well. Um, but... You know, super, super excited about this football game coming up. This is a game that I think has a lot of implications for the Jayhawks, and and we'll talk a little bit more about this in the few in the next few. Um, you know, I'm sorry, in the next segment. But like, this is a this is a uh, a big game against a college. I'm sorry, a Power Five football team that is really set up to be on the rise. They went to a bowl game, a good bowl game last year. They are a team that I think is going to contend for the Big Ten West. Um, they'll, they'll have to get past Wisconsin, but I think they're more than capable of doing that. And, you know, this is a team that I think is really set up very, very well to play well the rest of the year. Kansas is a, is a different type of challenge for them. They're probably much more like the Toledo team that Illinois barely won against um, than the rest of their schedule, it's with the exception of maybe Penn State. Um, and so this is going to give us a unique view for what Kansas is able to do, unique view for what Illinois is able to do, and give us a good idea of, you know, where Kansas sits in that hierarchy. Are they a team that's ready to, you know, win eight games and, and move on and potentially, you know, cause problems in the Big 12 race and, and even find themselves in the Big 12 race late in the year? Or is this a team that is still a year or two away, still needs to develop some guys, still needs to build some consistency in order to get back to that point? There's still a lot of questions about that. But there are some fantastic things happening this weekend. And, of course, you can take advantage of all of the very interesting picks, all of the very interesting props, everything that uh, is with our sponsor here on the podcast. So that would be Prize Picks. Prize Picks. You guys might remember them from last year, but they are the best legal way to play daily fantasy. You can play in pretty much every state in the U.S. Um, you know, the, you what you do in order to use your sports knowledge to make money is you go and you find two to five players in any sport that you want, whether it's NFL, college football, MLB, WNBA, they have soccer, they have, you know, they have a league of legends. They have all kinds of really strange stuff that you can 
pull stuff together from. You pick two to five players and then pick against one of the lines, one of the totals, whether it's, you know, over or under. For example, coming up this this Friday, Kansas, Devin Neal is 74.5 yards against Illinois. I fully expect him to go over that number by quite a bit. Uh, there is not a number for, like, the Kansas QB because we honestly don't know who's actually playing QB yet, even though it looks like it's going to be Jalen Daniels. There's just not enough information there, I think, for them to feel comfortable setting a line. So, but we do have, um, yeah, actually, it looks like that's the only line out there right now for a Jayhawk would be uh, the Devin Neal 74.5. But Illinois, there is, you know, Luke Altmeyer having 24.5 rushing yards. He, you know, had 69 yards last week. He had 204, I'm sorry, he had over 200 passing yards. The line for him this week is 204.5 passing yards. So if you pick two to five players and you get all of them right, you can win up to 10 times the amount of money that you have. Right now, if you go over to prizepicks.com or jump on the prizepicks app, use promo code CHALK12, you can get an instant deposit match up to your first $100 um, to immediately start playing. So head on over to prizepicks.com, use that promo code CHALK12, and start using that sports knowledge you have to make some money today. All right, we are going to go ahead and get you guys over to the interview with Jeremy. But before we do that, talking about the Blackhawk uniforms, there is definitely some, I guess, consternation, um, you know, some some hand-wringing back and forth from team, from players that really liked the Blackhawk uniforms and players that really didn't like it. And, you know, I think this is an interesting discussion because I've actually seen some people that were talking about, hey, well, the you know, the basketball team should do something like this, that we should have – um, you know, black alternate uniforms for the basketball team. First of all, I'm going to say immediately, I absolutely disagree. There, I do not see any reason to ever use a mostly black uniform. The black and white uniforms that are meant to, you know, um, commemorate historical teams, I'm absolutely fine with those. But those again, those again are mostly white with black lettering and black number and black numbering. I'm fine with those. But a base black uniform for the Kansas basketball teams, I don't think should ever actually happen. Um, now watch someone's actually going to go ahead and do that because specifically because I don't think it should happen. But, um, I, I absolutely, like I've said in the past, I do not like black uniforms. Typically. I think it's a gimmick that, you know, is very, very overplayed, but I do think that there are some instances where it makes sense, especially if you're leaning into the fact that it's a gimmick. And that's exactly what Kansas is doing here. You know, they're talking about it being a, a blackout game. This is something that, um, you, know, you have a coach, you have a bunch of players that really like the idea of these uniforms, and, you know, they did it in such a way, like, it's not a, we're going to make everything black. It's a, you know, it's going to be dark outside. We're going to set everything that makes us Kansas on a base of black, which is, I think, a lot a lot different. Like, you've seen some of the mock-ups for black uniforms for the Jayhawks where it had, like, you know, the black helmet with a shiny gloss matte black used for the Jayhawk that's on the helmet. Like, I don't. I don't think that looks good. I think that has problems, you know, where you're trying to just make it as black as possible. This is, you put the Kansas logo on black, you put the flag on black, you put the players' names and numbers and, you know, Kansas on black, and you outline them with the blue and uh, the, the crimson and blue that you normally have. Like, these are different ideas than we typically see from a black uniform. I think it's executed really well, and I am super, super excited for it. And, of course, it just looks absolutely fantastic. Like, I... I I did not think I would like it as much when I first heard of this as a concept. I've routinely shot them down. I looked at these and I immediately was just like, this is, this is it. This is what you're looking for. And of course, if you want to be as well-dressed as the guys that are going to be down on the field in those black uniforms, you can go to our sponsor here on the podcast, 
the Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so make sure that you check out that wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today, especially the KU you know, logo or the K, the KU line that they have, the fantastic Jalen Daniels shirt. They have like four or five different football shirts, which, you know, we, we, we have had sponsors on the podcast here before that are clothing based. This is, I think, the most football focused one and Big 12 focused, uh, you know, option that you can find. There are, there are, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, there are shirts and great stuff from all around the Big 12. They have th- more than 30 different uh, schools. And they have tons of options for both you and then anyone else you might be shopping for who might, you know, unfortunately be rooting for a different team. But if you use promo code 101215, that is the word T-E-N, then the number is 1215, you can get 15% off of any non-sale items in your order. This is not a one-time code. This is not a first-time buyer code. This is anytime you go out there and, and are buying an item that is not on sale, you can save using this promo code, showing your support for both here, us here at the network and, of course, for a fantastic clothing company as well in Charlie Hustle. So go to charliehustle.com today and find all of the things that you need to be the best-dressed fan this season. Charlie Hustle, that vintage is made fresh. All right, guys, that is going to go ahead uh, and do it for this first segment here. When we come back, we will get over to Jeremy Warner of the Illini Inquirer to talk about this game, dive deep into this Illinois team. But we will be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I am joined now by Jeremy Warner of the Illini Acquirer. Coming back to us after doing a preview of the uh, of the Illinois Fighting Illini earlier this this summer. Uh, Jeremy, how you doing today? Uh, doing good. Looking forward to uh, what I think is going to be a really interesting matchup for kind of two upstart programs that are under 30-year coaches are uh, kind of turning their programs around. So I think it's a big one for both these teams to try and show that uh, they can sustain success. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and, and I think both of these teams kind of having an interesting week one, not the week one that we would have expected from either team. Um, Kansas, of course, not having Jalen Daniels uh, due to his back tightness. It appears, based off of all reports so far, 
that he is probably going to be available, will most likely start in that game, but he didn't have the warm-up you would normally expect, whereas Illinois on the other side struggled with a Toledo team while they are not, you know, bottom of the of the FBS totem pole. They are a team, I think, that Illinois was expected to beat a little bit more handily than they did. Um, of those two storylines, which which one do you think is, is going to be more impactful for this game coming up? The fact that, that Illinois struggled last week or the fact that Kansas is going to try to be getting Jalen Daniels up to speed without that warm-up? Yeah, I think that's actually a fascinating kind of way to, to term this because I do think Illinois, you know, even though they kind of got by the hair of their chin against uh, a good Toledo team that won the MAC last year, I think they'll probably win the MAC again this year. So I think Toledo would be, you know, one of the top would be finishing between like what nine and eleven in the Big Ten potentially, or nine through twelve yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so I, I think it's a good team. It was a good test. I think Illinois gained a lot from that, but I do think. Some of the concerns of that game are concerning because we expected Illinois to really dominate Toledo in the trenches, and that was not the case. Toledo won the battle in the trenches, and that was supposed to be Illinois' strength. And you know, their offensive line has three All Big Ten guys back. Their defensive line has four potential future NFL players on it. So the fact that they struggled against Toledo, which has a dual threat quarterback that can kind of run around and make plays, Illinois struggled to contain DeQuan Finn, who's a good. Matt quarterback, but I think we all think that Jalen Daniels is better, and even uh, Jason Bean's probably better. Um, so I, I think that is concerning going into this matchup, but I do think it gave Illinois a chance to really assess itself, assess how its game plan went against a, a similar team to Kansas, at least offensively, and then kind of make adjustments from there. Um, while Kansas, I, I just don't know what they weren't uh, playing an FCS opponent. So it's great to get your feet wet, it's great to you know kind of feel good about yourself in a win, but you know, uh, Missouri State pushed them a little bit in that first half, which I'm sure they weren't happy about, it, and they ran away from them because they're the superior team. But uh, I find that fascinating. You know, Jalen Daniels didn't play. Does he come out rusty uh, when he plays, which I think we all expect he will? Uh, or do they just kind of hit the ground running again? Because uh, it's explosive offense and one that's concerning for Illinois to handle. But I think Illinois gained more from week one, but they obviously saw some, some bigger concerns than they probably expected to have. Yeah, I, I definitely think that Illinois was always going to have more to learn from their first game because of, you know, as we talked about over the summer, the fact that they were essentially, you know, starting over on offense and, and having to, like, replace a whole bunch of stuff on defense, even though it was the same general type of defense expected. Um, I mean, how how do you feel that you've – or I, I should say, how how do you feel that those initial kind of tests went? I mean, Luke, Luke Altmeyer. Um, you know, there, there was questions about what exactly he was, he was going to be able to do, especially early. Do you think that he has kind of done what you're expecting him to, or, or does he still have room to grow in this offense? Well, that's the interesting thing is we thought the things that Illinois would be really good at kind of hang your hat on, which is offensive line and defensive line. Those two things struggled, but the biggest questions we had about this team were huge bright spots in week one. The secondary, which has four new starters, lost Devin Witherspoon, lost Denny Brown, lost Quan Martin all top uh, 70 picks in the NFL draft. The secondary played pretty well against Toledo. Miles Scott is a former walk-on wide receiver at a pick six and another pass breakup. Xavier Scott, their new nickel, who's playing in place of Quan Martin, had two pass breakups. They handled themselves really well, did not give up any huge plays, uh, you know, in the secondary. So that was really encouraging. And then, yeah, the biggest, one of the biggest questions was the quarterback, which is a big concern when you, you don't know what you got at quarterback. We knew Luke Allmeyer was talented, a former four-star prospect, 
almost won the job at Ole Miss last year. Uh, Alabama had offered when he was in high school. But he looked fantastic. I thought of one bad throw that, that got intercepted, thrown in triple coverage. He was great. Uh, he looked like a game changer at quarterback for Illinois. He's got a great arm, throws a great touch, and he really showed his athleticism as a runner, prolonged a lot of passes. But the biggest thing is I think we learned a lot about his poise, his toughness. After his big interception, he bounced back and led two scoring drives to help Illinois take the lead in the fourth quarter. And then once his defense gave up another touchdown, Luke Altmaier uh, made an incredible throw on fourth and four, a 33-yard pass with pressure right on him, took two hits, one at the legs and one up top, and uh, completed a 33-yard pass to prolong the game and eventually win the game. Uh, so he showed a lot. Uh, Luke Altmaier looked like a really, really good quarterback. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's not just the talent that he showed, but it was kind of the intangibles uh, of toughness. So that's the interesting thing about last week is I just feel really good about the question marks coming into the season, uh, but you feel a little bit more concerned about where you thought were going to be the strengths. But I, I think that that might almost be the better thing at this point because you feel like your offensive line and defensive line, which was so good last year, and you get a lot of those pieces back, like they should be able to bounce back. So uh, I, I think Illinois got good answers at quarterback and in the secondary. We'll see how they follow that up uh, against the Power 5 opponents this weekend. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Kansas, you know, was kind of in a similar boat where the things that you were wondering if they were going to, you know, be good uh, or, you know, if they were going to improve, specifically like the defensive line, they showed a huge step forward, I think, compared to the way that they started last year. Um, You know, I I do think it's kind of the same thing with with Illinois. Like the parts that you are fairly certain because they've shown they can do it, if they struggle, it's a lot easier to to you know set that as an outlier, as a and, right. and think that that's going to improve as opposed to the things that you were worried about maybe aren't up to snuff. If those aren't impressive in the first week, you know, then it's it's I think easy to kind of let that snowball a little bit. I, I am a little curious though because I was under the impression that you know Illinois had a fairly robust rushing game that they had multiple players, and I mean yes, it's not you know a hundred yards combined from three different running backs given that, that Luke Altmaier had, you know, 69 yards on, on his own. Um, is there any concern about the about the running back room, or was it just a bad game, like a bad, uh, I guess, outing from the offensive line that, that really kind of made them struggle? Yeah, I thought the offensive line had bigger concerns than the running backs, uh, and the running backs did end the game really well. And Illinois' final drive, after that big pass by Altmaier, their running backs had some big carries uh, to help get them in an easy field goal. Uh, range for the game-winning field goal. Uh, Reggie Love had a good run of 29 yards, really prolonged it, and showed some toughness on that one. Uh, but they don't have a chase Brown. They don't have a guy that's going to run away from people. And I thought when they did get some one-on-one matchups, both Reggie Love and, and Josh McCray didn't make the most of that. Uh, so they do not have a guy that is a threat to go to the house, I think, every time. But it was kind of a weird game in that, you know, Illinois only had 24 plays in the first half. After their first drive, which featured a lot of throws, uh, they really didn't get the running game going because the offense kind of got behind the sticks with some penalties, and they just didn't have the ball very much because their defense wasn't able to get off the field with a, with a lot of bad penalties. Uh, their defense prolonged several drives and ended up uh, getting points for Toledo. But I, I do think Reggie Love and Josh McCray are solid backs, good backs. I think Josh McCray, especially late in games, can be a problem uh, because he, he – Six foot one, 240 pounds. He's so big and powerful they can wear on teams late. So I think he's a really good closer if Illinois gets a lead. Uh, but I do think those backs will be solid, but they, they still got to prove that they can have big play. Uh, so 
that's what Chase Brown brought with this big play threat that could do it a lot. But I do think it was nice to see that Illinois, why I was kind of high on this rushing attack was because they have two guys at that running back position. They want to play maybe a third and fourth. But I thought Luke Altmaier would really help their rushing game. And I thought it could become a more dynamic rushing game when you're not just relying on one back who the entire defense knows the ball is going to almost 50% of the time. That was Chase Brown last year. But Altmaier can be effective in the RPO game. He can keep a couple. Uh, he probably should have kept a couple more uh, last week. And he can be effective. And he's just somebody you have to account for, even if he's not a, a Jalen Daniels-type runner. Uh, he's a he's an athletic guy that can really hurt you with his feet. So that makes it a little bit harder for defenses to know where the ball is going. And plus, the passing game was much improved. The receivers for Illinois looked really good. So I don't think they have a Chase Brown runner, but I think the whole entire offense kind of has more weapons that uh, defenses have to account for when defenses last year could just load the box against Chase Brown. You've you got more weapons you got to be concerned about, including the quarterback. Yeah, it's definitely – Kansas fans are, are well aware of how, just how much that opens stuff up with having a quarterback who can run with, with both Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean being very prolific runners. I am I am curious though um, because I you know I I didn't see any wide receivers that kind of really stuck out to me or anything like that. Is it is it fair to say that this is a group that, or I should say, an offense where it's expected that Altmaier is going to be really pushing whatever production, whether it's finding receivers, spreading it out to a bunch of different guys, that if that if a team is able to slow him down significantly, that the offense as a whole will struggle. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's an NFL guy. Um you know, early draft pick on Illinois' offense. But I do think their wide receiver core looks pretty good uh, against Toledo. Now, Illinois has not had a good wide receiver core in recent years. But Isaiah Williams had you know, 80-something catches last year and is a really dynamic slot receiver. But he was kind of their only guy last year. Pat Bryant has taken his game to another level. He had two touchdown catches, 6'3", 200 pounds, really physical on these slant routes. And then Casey Washington, not a very explosive guy. Uh, but he had that huge catch on, on fourth and four, a, you know, 33-yard catch. Waldmeyer threw the ball up in the air, and Washington went and found it. Um, and he's, he's had some big plays in his career. So I don't know if it's a, a group that has, you know, a dynamic first or second or third-round talent on it, but it is a, a deepening group that's got multiple options. Isaiah Williams is a shifty electric slot guy. And then Bryant and Washington are kind of big physical chain movers, what we want to see for Illinois and what we still have yet to see is can they have that big strike capability? Like Kansas has a lot of big strike capability with uh, Jalen Daniels. And I know Arnold can make some big plays down the field. Illinois didn't have to do that against Toledo, uh, but that's because they were so effective in kind of the intermediate passing game, these slant routes, these kind of 15-yard routes. Um, but I think they have that in them a little bit more than they had last year. You know, Casey Washington had that big catch down the field. So, I think the passing game has taken a big step forward with Altmaier, but also because the wide receiver group is pretty experienced and they feel like it's getting deeper. There's a four-star freshman, Malik Elzey, who got a couple reps last week. I think his uh, you know, role is going to expand here in the coming weeks. So it's not like this is an Ohio State group, but it's certainly, uh, I think, an average group in the Big Ten, which is a big uh, step up from what Illinois was in years past. Yeah, I, I think it sounds a lot like the Kansas group where there's not really, you know, there's probably one or two guys you think are the leader, but they're not heads or tails above everybody else in terms of what they're going to put together. And you have a quarterback that looks to spread it out enough that I don't know that Kansas is going to have a guy who, you know, gets 300 yards on the season more than anyone else just because unless, 
you know, it's a guy like Quentin Skinner who makes a catch and then makes a guy miss and goes for it, you know, turns a 10 yard pass into an 80 yard pass. But, you know, I, I definitely think that Illinois and Kansas have a lot more similarities than I care to admit, uh, which is going to make this game, I think, even more interesting. I want to shift over to the defense because, like you said, um, you know, this, this defense definitely struggled at times against Toledo. I was not expecting Toledo to score as much as they did just based off of what I had heard about Illinois. And how, how much of that is the guys that they were replacing as opposed to um, maybe the defense not being at quite the same level as it was last year? Yeah, again, like uh, they had to replace the most guys in the secondary. And the secondary actually played pretty well. Um, but I think it was the lack of the front really playing as well as we expected them to. You know, Johnny Newton was an All-American, second-team All-American last year. He was a non-factor. It was one of his worst games uh, of his last two years, to be honest with you. Keith Randolph was uh, all-Big Ten guy last year. I thought he was effective in the last couple quarters. But the outside linebackers, Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes were all-Big Ten guys last year, and they did just not perform well. But part of that was due to the strategy to Illinois. Illinois has a new defense coordinator, Aaron Henry, who was the secondary coach last year. Their defense coordinator, Ryan Walters, is now the head coach at Purdue. And what Ryan Walters always did was he's always aggressive. Ran a lot of man coverage about 70 to 75% of the time, and he just unloaded uh, his front seven, threw him at the quarterback, and said, Hey, deal with the pressure. Let's see how you act. Illinois was really concerned about Daquan Finn, uh, Toledo's quarterback, who's an okay thrower, but a dynamic runner. And they kind of just kind of read and reacted. They were really conservative, sat in zone coverage, kind of wanted to make sure he didn't beat them, but he still was able to get loose because of some missed assignments in the run fit. And it kind of took away, I think, the aggression of Illinois' defensive front. But they made some adjustments in the second half. Henry got more aggressive, more man-to-man coverage, which allowed some uh, first-down receptions and things like that. But Illinois had a pick six uh, and two three-and-outs back-to-back to in, in the second half and the third quarter. So I think that's what they're going to get back to. But that, that's you know a little bit risky when you have a good quarterback like Jalen Daniels. But for me – that's the identity of Illinois' defensive front is they are so aggressive, they get after you, and they make quarterbacks make these split decisions under duress. Uh, so I think that's what they should get back to. We'll see if they do that against a dynamic quarterback in Jalen Daniels, probably along with Drew Aller at Penn State, one of the two best quarterbacks they'll play all year. Uh, and, and you don't want to give up these big plays, but you also don't want to take away what's made this defense really good over the last couple of years. And, and that's just their aggression up front because – Johnny Newton was getting pushed around. He looked like he was just kind of standing up and looking in the backfield rather than just getting up field. So that was the biggest surprise. So I'm really interested to see they adjust. Going against a Kansas defense, I would expect to do the same thing, kind of get Illinois horizontal uh, and try to make them read and react. I think if you're getting Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph up field, get him disrupting what Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal and that talented backfield is doing. I think that's where Illinois can make some plays. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely curious because Kansas showed a few wrinkles, but it's that it seemed like in week one they didn't want to show too much of their playbook. Um, you know, they had things like they had a direct snap to Devin Neal, they had a direct snap to Jared Casey running across the line. Um, you know, they do some really strange misdirection type things with a defense that's more aggressive that can definitely be more dangerous depending right. on you know how exactly you read that. You know, how, how well has Illinois? either in the past or with what you're expecting them to do this year, been able to handle a team that can, you know, that will change direction like that or have, you know, four built-in options into a play and, and try to read the defense. Like, ha- have they been able to adapt on the fly like that very effectively? 
Well, Illinois had the number one scoring defense in the country last year, so they were pretty good against everybody. Yeah, uh, so, so you know what I mean? Uh, they're, they're really talented uh, up front, and they have made adjustments, whether it's halftime or whatever it is, and really shut down opponents. So I think it's a really strong defensive staff. Brett Bioma was a longtime defense coordinator. He was on Bill Belichick's staff in the NFL. Aaron Henry is a new defense coordinator, but he's been a part of the Bioma tree. Andy Boo was a power five defense coordinator at Rutgers, Maryland, some other spots. Uh, Terrence Jamison has been in the game for a long time, played for Bioma. So this is a smart defensive staff. And don't forget, Jim Leonard is an analyst, the former Wisconsin defense coordinator. So these guys are smart coaches. They make adjustments. I thought they made a good adjustment uh, last week. But to your point, the Big 12 offenses usually, and even the MAC offense, are a little bit different than what we see in the Big 10 West. Now, the Big 10 is evolving. You're seeing Purdue get a, a dynamic quarterback like Hudson Card now rather than a pocket passer. You're seeing more and more teams do that in the Big Ten, but it's still usually more a little bit traditional. It's more about who you got up front. So I do think there's a really good test for Illinois. And I, th- I think that's where this, the good thing about playing a team like Toledo, getting tested like that early, is you got a little bit of a taste of what Kansas is going to bring you. So uh, I'm interested to see how they adjust from last week. They made a nice adjustment in the second half uh, and played a little bit better. So I'm interested to see how they uh, carry that over into Kansas. Yeah, one one final area that you kind of brought up earlier, um, Illinois struggled with with penalties in the first game, which I, I was a little surprised. I did not think that Illinois was a heavily penalized team last year, and it, it definitely seemed to be, you know, it, I think it's fairly easy to chalk it up to they got put in a bad position, and so they did something that, you know, penalized them instead of giving up the gigantic play. But is is that a concern? Is this a team that you necessarily concern about the discipline of to be able to avoid those types of penalties, especially since you look on the other side, Kansas – you know, it was one of the least penalized teams last year, you know, and they only had three penalties total in all of last yeah. game. So, I mean, how, how big is the worry about penalties and how big of a role do you think that that could potentially play in this game? Well, it played a huge role last week um, because Illinois or Toledo had three scoring drives where Illinois committed a 15-yard penalty on third down that ended up prolonging a drive. That led to 17 points for Toledo. So you take away, I mean, you take away those things, or you take away one or two of those, and it's a completely different game. Illinois just shot itself in the foot. Toledo gained, after just those three penalties, gained 110 extra yards and uh, and 17 extra points. So Illinois' defense might have felt a lot different, and maybe their offense has the ball a little bit, they get rested a little bit more, and the game feels a lot different. So Illinois really was fortunate to to get away with a win, and kudos to the offense and what they did, a big pick six. Uh, really changed that game. But, uh, you know, Brett Bielma's teams have had penalty issues in September. I think we see it across the country where you have penalty issues, ball security issues in September. Uh, but they were able to find a way to correct that. They lost at Indiana last year in large part due to turnovers and penalties when they were by, by far the better team on the field. Uh, a couple of years ago against Virginia, they had a lot of penalties. So it, it happens early in seasons where I think teams are amped up. And, and for Illinois, these weren't procedural penalties. These were after the play. These were, you know, roughing the passer late in the fourth quarter to prolong a Toledo drive that helped them take the lead with three minutes left. Uh, they had another unsportsmanlike penalty and a third down incompletion. And so those are the things you want to take away, and they were by some of the team's best players. So I would imagine it gets addressed uh, this week. I know it got addressed this week during practice. Uh, so we'll see how that carries over. So some of the procedural things you want to cut out, but those are going to happen. Uh, you know, pass interference, holdings, those are going to happen. It's the personal foul penalties that Illinois got that were just really tough to take. But as you said, I, I don't think they were the best 
uh, team when it came to minimizing penalties last year, but I think they were kind of average in the Big Ten. So uh, Brett Bielema's teams usually are pretty disciplined, usually don't shoot themselves in the foot, uh, but certainly they did last week, and that's why it was such a close game and such a close call. Yeah, there's. I think there's so many different areas where both of these teams can change up what they do that will make this game completely different uh, from what you expect. So before we get into the just the, you know, what do we expect to actually happen, I, I do have to ask you, I've seen some kind of back and forth from Kansas fans and then from us, some other people across the nation that are just, you know, have very mixed opinions on the Blackhawk uniforms that Kansas is unveiling for this sure. game. What are your thoughts in general on, you know, teams doing the whole blackout or introducing the black alternate uniforms. I know that there's a lot of people that like them, a lot of people that hate them. I typically don't like them, but I do like, you know, the way that these ones were used for the Jayhawks. So what are, what are your thoughts on either these uniforms specifically or just the idea of blackouts in general? Yeah, I can't I can't sit here and be honest with you and say I've done a lot of thoughts on Kansas black jerseys going into this game. Uh, I, I always joke Illinois had new jerseys unveiled this this year, uh, that jersey take day is always a big thing. But, uh, you know, listen, you're honoring a past team. You're doing something different for a big game. I think that's what this signals, right? This is a big game for Kansas. Uh, I know they've been waiting for this one. It's kind of, hey, can this be an arrival game? I know they went 5-0, and got ranked last year. But this would just solidify. If you can beat a team in Illinois that's expected to be kind of good in the Big Ten relatively, uh, it would be a big moment for, for the program, for Lance Clyde, for a long-struggling program also a big game for Illinois because they're looking to sustain success like Illinois has had up and downs uh, throughout the last 30 years mostly downs but they'll have these big ups but then they really struggle to sustain them so um, the jerseys probably won't matter but if, if it gets people talking about your program it's probably a good thing I think that's what half the half the time these things are, are done to do so uh, I just think it really solidifies more than anything it's just a big game that they're kind of waiting for the jerseys for for this game and not doing them week one yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's definitely a a gimmick that people lean into a lot more, I think, for the players and the recruits than necessarily for the fans or, or, you know, the coaching staff. Although Lance Leipold did go on record as saying he's a big Jersey guy and they have been really excited about this one since July. So um, I am I am excited to actually see those uniforms in action. If they win, you know, this game on Friday, I, I highly uh, doubt that this is the last time we'll see them. Um, so we'll have to kind of see how all that goes. But, you know, whether you want to give a score prediction or, you know, just kind of talk general about how the game is going to go, what are your thoughts as, a, as of this point right now about how, what this game is going to look like, what we're going to learn about these teams during this game? I think for Illinois, the keys for this game are reestablishing their identity in the trenches about being the more physical team because against maybe the best MAC team, but still MAC team, they were not the better team in the trenches last week. So I think for them to gain confidence going into Big Ten play, especially with next week, a game – on paper, that is their toughest of the season, their best opportunity to make a national statement against Penn State, which is number seven in the country. Uh, to feel good about it, you need you need to establish yourself in the trenches. I think that all goes back to who controls the pace of this game. You know, Illinois does have an offense that's modern, and, and they can throw the ball around. They showed that last week. But they want to run the football. They want to be a physical team. And I think if Illinois can hold this to a fewer possession game, especially with the new clock rules, that is to their advantage. I think Kansas wants to turn this into a shootout, right? I, I know their defense, they expect the defensive front to, to take a step forward this year because they got more athletic up front, but I still think they need to prove it against a, a physical Big Ten team like Illinois. Uh, so, But I still think they want to open this game up in the air, make it a big strike game. Uh, I think that's what makes this fascinating. It's kind of two different styles, 
know, Illinois does want to put up more points and throw the ball around a little bit more this year, but Brett Bielma still wants to make this a, a possession game and um, slow it down, I think, a little bit against the Kansas team that likes to put up points and has uh, question marks defensively. So that's what I find fascinating. I, before the season, I took Kansas to win this game. I just thought Illinois would have some things to work through, a quarterback and the defensive backfield. I don't want to change it after week one because those things felt like they were answered. Those things were better than I expected. But it's just a road game, tough environment against a really good uh, quarterback, whoever is playing for Kansas. Uh, but I think this is going to be a, a really competitive, fun game where we get to learn a lot about both teams. So um, I think Illinois is going to do well in the Big Ten this year. I think Kansas provides a little, a lot of challenges that a lot of teams in the Big Ten West do not provide. Uh, and I think it gives them a great early barometer, just like Toledo did, about how good this team can be. Well, I know for sure I'm going to be pulling for a close Kansas win in this game and then uh, Illinois to just run the table the rest of the year. So, um, you know, but no, I am looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to this is the kind of game that I think a lot of fans have wanted to have at Kansas with the excitement, the fan buy in, you know, the players kind of embracing the moment as much as they absolutely have. And so I am looking forward to this primetime game on Friday night. Uh, I don't normally like Friday night football because of all the high school stuff involved. Um, you know, I, I know plenty of people that play high school football, and it, it definitely makes it difficult for them to have, you know, local colleges playing on Friday. But this is kind of one of those, you know, occasional things that is okay, especially because of how big of a deal it is for the for the program. So, all well, right. And I think, it, Go I, I think it's so good that this is a big deal for both programs, right? Like two years ago when we're looking at this game. Oh, I know. It was like one of the worst Power 5 games it was out like, there, right? It, think, it was like think, this is the game you hope that you can, like, bounce back and maybe start something and build some momentum instead of being a, this is like a validation game to try to say who is, you know, has the, or I should say who, who should expect and demand the respect that they deserve to be up towards the top of their conference. Right. And I think when this game was scheduled, they both thought, Hey, there's a winnable game, power five down the line. And then now, now we look at it because these ADs make good hires. Um, Lance Gleipold, I did a lot of research on because he was a candidate at Illinois. And Illinois went with Brett Bielma, who's from Illinois, been in the Big Ten, had success at programs that really built it up from the ground level, like Kansas State, Wisconsin, um, Iowa, right? Like, that's what Illinois right. kind of aspires to be. And Kansas and Illinois both last time kind of went with a sexy iron, right? Les, Les Miles and, and Lovey Smith. This time, they both got good football coaches, foundational development football coaches, and I thought Leifold would have done well anywhere because he wins everywhere he goes. But there's not a lot of, you know, frills there. It's just good football coaches. And I, I think both those programs, that was, that's what you need. You need program builders. I think both those programs have it. So that's why I, I, I love both these coaches uh, and just kind of their approaches to it. So that's why I think it's going to be a good matchup and why these programs are somewhat relevant here uh, and, and have a relevant Friday night game. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for taking the time out today as you're on your way to Lawrence to chat with us. Um, where where can people find your, your work online? They check us out at uh, IlliniInquire.com or at Twitter at JWarner247. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that is going to do it for us today. Thank you, Jeremy, so much for joining me. For all of you guys that are out there listening, if you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast and you can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. 
We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are, of course, part of the Tentual Podcast Network. You can support all of our great shows by going over to our Patreon. Uh, that is patreon.com slash 1012network, T-E-N, the number one, two, and network. You can find links to all of the great shows over at 1012network.com where we cover all the teams in the Big 12 Conference and even including some of Colorado, Washington. I'm sorry, not Colorado, Washington. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Um, but that's going to do it for us today. Make sure you guys visit our sponsors, support them, support us. And we say, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.